to all the young people here in this ballroom. It is your time for the young women to be the Esters of society, to speak truth to power, and to speak for the weak in society. You can be the sentinels on the front lines of human life. And let me ask you today, urge you to take on that role. From the nation's capital, this is Use Your Voice with Penny Nance, President and CEO of Concerned Women for America. Here's your host, Penny Nance. The Heartbeat of Humanity. That was the title of a panel discussion I led at this year's CPAC conference in Washington, D.C., which we want to share with you today. Hi, my name is Penny Nance, CEO and President of Concerned Women for America, and you are listening to Use Your Voice. Today, you will hear an amazing discussion on the intrinsic value of human life. You'll hear the compelling personal stories of my guest, Congresswoman Kathy McMorris-Rogers of Washington State's 5th Congressional District, and Dr. Ben Carson, former neurosurgeon and current Trump administration official. As you listen, I hope you're moved to speak for those who can't speak for themselves. This is a seminal human rights issue. Take a listen. I am here today with two of my pro-life heroes. You know, we are an important inflection point in our country, in our nation, on the issue of life. In fact, there's been an unmasking of the left on the issue. Mm. As sad as it is and as hard as it's been to watch, it's important that we take note and we have an honest conversation. What happened in New York with the law, the passage of the law that basically struck down any limits on abortion all the way up until birth, which by the way, that's not a new position. What happened in Virginia with the same bill being offered, and by the way, that's being offered in a coordinated manner around the country. And then the discussion that ensued by my governor, in which he had this clear-eyed discussion on what happens if a child is able to survive an abortion, that the baby that she's kept comfortable while the abortionist, the doctor, and the mother have a discussion about what happens next. That is terrifying but it's honest and it's real. And then, last week, we had 44 senators, I call them the dirty 44, that stood on the side of infanticide. And if you're wondering who they are, come to our Instagram page, PYNance1 or Concerned Women. Come to, follow us on Instagram. Now, the issue of the sanctity of human life is important. It's a seminal human rights issue. We must, at this moment, understand what's at stake. We as Christian, we believe in the principle of imago Dei. We as human beings are created in God's image and after His likeness. And because of that, we have intrinsic value at every stage from conception to natural death. And even if you have what people in this world see as inadequacies, you have issues that make life harder for you. It doesn't mean that you're less. It means that you need more protection, that you need us to stand on your side. And that's what we do at Concerned Women for America.
Now I want to turn to my guests here, and I'm just, again, it's such a privilege to be here with both of you because you've both done so much on this issue. And starting with Congresswoman Kathy McMorris-Rogers, who's been a Republican leadership, who has one of the few members of Congress has actually given birth while as a sitting <laughs> House member. You did that three times. That's right. By the way. The first and only. And I'd like to point out, not only have you shown leadership publicly, but in your personal capacity, you have walked out an ethic of sanctity of human life, protection of life. I'd love to hear your story and a little bit about your son, Cole. Thank you, Penny. Great opening words there. This has been an amazing journey for me. I was 35 and single when I was elected to Congress. <laughs> Pro-life and excited to be in Congress. Got married, married a great guy, retired from the Navy, Brian. Got pregnant right away, which was so exciting. I was an older mom, I was 37 at that time. Um, but we got that diagnosis that we never anticipated that our, our son had an extra 21st chromosome which is more commonly known as Down syndrome. And it's not the news that you ever expect to receive. Um, but yet, I have embraced Cole for his potential, for his life, for every, everything that he has to offer. And today, 12 years later, I can testify that he brings us so much joy. Cole just loves to tell jokes. He loves to fill your life with Amen. laughter. He's also brought a new purpose for everything that I do in Congress. Cole reminds me every day as to the value and the potential of every human life. Mm -hmm. I felt like I, I knew it in my head before, right. now I know it in my heart. Mm -hmm. And he has influenced my work on Capitol Hill. You know, we, we're, we're celebrating this great economy, the Trump economy. It was driven by tax cuts that we passed last year. I was really pleased. I introduced legislation able to work that is going to give those individuals who have a disability the opportunity to go get an internship or a part-time job and explore work without it being counted against their benefits. These are the kind of policies that lift people up, mm -hmm. give them the opportunity to live the American dream. It's, it's like the opportunity zones that Dr. Carson has championed, but we, we are here to ensure that everyone has the opportunity that, our, that was laid out in our Declaration of Independence. Mm -hmm. And it's, those, it's the opportunity of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And Cole is just a, a remarkable person that reminds me of that every day. And I'm, and I'm just so grateful for his influence on my life, as well as my work in Congress, and the work that we're doing now for millions of people who want to have that opportunity for a better life. Because a job is so much more than a paycheck. It's what gives you purpose and dignity, and it's the foundation for the American dream. Amen. <laughs> Um, one of my heroes, Chuck Colson, said that, that people and children with disabilities are sentinels on the front lines of human life. And how we treat them, the way that we value them, has implications for our culture in every single way. How we, if we respect the least of these, then we respect everyone. But if we don't, then we don't mean it. Amen. Um, Dr. Carson, I don't mean to leave you out here. I am, again, so excited to have you. You're, um, of course, many of 
people here already know who you are, but for those who don't, um, you are a famous neurosurgeon who has uh, been the only person to successfully separate twins conjoined at the head. You, I know, isn't that awesome? And he, he is so chill, which is what you want in your neurosurgeon, I guess. I mean, he's unflappable. Um, you are up on, of course, the medical science of all of this, and you have literally seen and held a human brain. Tell me, when does life begin? Well, you know, that's a very good question because with all of the technology and all the knowledge that we have acquired as human beings, we still don't have the ability to create life. Mm. And uh, we don't have the ability to create a human being. Mm -hmm. But God has orchestrated an incredible situation where the egg and the sperm come together. And within a matter of 10 to 12 weeks, you can see the little fingers and the little toes and the little nose and the face. The heart is starting to beat. It's absolutely amazing. And then it goes on to develop very rapidly from there. The brain, hundreds of thousands of neurons every single day develops very rapidly. And I've had the privilege of being able to operate on little babies that were 25, 26, 27, 28 weeks gestation. And uh, I can guarantee you they can feel, mm -hmm. they can react. And uh, you have to give them anesthesia if you're gonna cut them, believe me. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but they can also respond to comfort mm -hmm. and to warmth. Mm -hmm. And for somebody to say that that's a meaningless bunch of cells, honestly, is just totally ignorant. And uh, you know, I've had the... <laughs> I've, I've even had the privilege of operating on babies in the mother's womb uh, who have grown up to be intelligent, self-sustaining, uh, beautiful people. So what really gets me, and probably most people here have never actually seen an abortion, but you know, in the early stages, you have the uterus on the ultrasound, and you can see the baby. You can see the head and the thorax and the arms and the legs. And then they introduce a tube near the feet and turn on the grinding, sucking machine. And next thing you see is all the blood going through the little tube and the thing disappears. I mean, it's barbaric. Mm -hmm. And then when it goes on to a much later stage, late stage uh, abortion, you have a baby who could live outside of the womb. Mm -hmm. but. Some people feel that it's okay to murder that baby. And the level of barbarism that that requires, I quite frankly don't know how people can do it, quite frankly. And uh, they try to shield the mothers from the knowledge of what's going on. They try not to let them see the screens and all the various things. But how many of those mothers end up psychologically damaged. They talk about they're doing this for the health of the mother. What about the mother's mental health mm -hmm. that she has to endure for the rest of her life? We'll be back after this short break. 
Hey ladies, you're smart, passionate, and savvy. You care about your family and you care about our nation. That's why you should join Concerned Women for America. I'm Penny Nance, President and CEO of Concerned Women for America, and I pray you will visit ConcernedWomen.org to learn how you can add your voice to the largest public policy women's organization in the nation. That's ConcernedWomen.org. Welcome back to Use Your Voice. We're listening to a moving discussion about Imago Dei, the value of every human life as created in the image of God. Here's part two of my panel discussion at this year's CPAC conference, the national conference put on by the American Conservative Union. You know, um, I, many of you all know about Silent No More, which is a great organization that gives women the ability to share their regret. And as a, a believer, I believe in redemption. And I believe we are so broken as human beings. And regardless of what you've done and where you've been, you can always bring it to the cross and the feet of Jesus. And there's always a second chance in redemption. And nobody has to live with that regret. Nobody. Um, you know, I believe that uh, this sort of idea that some are less has crept into our society in such an insidious way that even sometimes we're impacted by it without even knowing. And I'm going to tell a story that exposes even my own ignorance. I snuck into church late <laughs> and snuck in the back row. I go to a big congregation. In front of me was a family, older parents, an adult daughter with disabilities, significant disabilities. She's in a wheelchair. Her wheelchair held up her head. She had limited use of her hands, her arms. And I gotta admit that I felt kind of sorry for them. So I'm there and I'm worshiping and I go to a church where we have praise and worship music and out of the corner of my eye, I caught her make a, a movement with her hand while we were singing. And I thought, was she worshiping? Was she praising? What, what was, did she mean to hold up her hand? And I started to watch her and I, yes, she did. At certain moments, she was joining in, praising and worshiping her God. <laughs> and then I started to feel sorry for myself because who am I to say that she is not more valuable than I am? That, that the fact that she has an uncomplicated and more a less distracted life in which she can praise and pray and worship her God means that to me that she is more valuable to God. And how dare I? How dare I feel sorry for her? Absolutely. And I feel like we as a nation have got to get past this idea that some lives are better and more important than others. So I'd love for either of you just to kind of comment on that. Sure, sure. Well, I can certainly tell you some of, some of my favorite patients <laughs> were the, those who were disabled that many would say don't deserve to live mm -hmm. and should be killed. And, um, you know, to this very day, you know, I know people who had spina bifida, hydrocephalus, Down syndrome, a whole host of things, who are living wonderful lives, are very essential parts of their family and of their community. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I remember there was a, a young woman who came to me and she was 33 weeks and she had been diagnosed, the child had been diagnosed with a, a congenital abnormality. And uh, she was on her way to Kansas to get an abortion. And uh, no one in this area would do it at that late stage. I talked her out of it, fortunately. 
and she had that baby, and I, I had to operate on the baby, but the baby's fine. She loves that baby. She's so glad she didn't do it. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I was telling that story to the head of the ACLU, who said that we speak for those who cannot speak for themselves. Mm -hmm. I said, what about that baby? 33 weeks, could live outside of the mm -hmm. womb, unsupported. What about that baby? And after a little banter back and forth, he finally, uh, after I told him that I operate on babies that were 25, 26, 27 weeks, I said, would you speak for those babies? Oh, yeah. I say, so they're outside and you would speak for them, but the one who's further advanced and in the safest place they can possibly be, you won't speak for that one. He says, I realize that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and, and, but he said, I believe a woman can kill that baby until the second it is born. Mm -hmm. And I said, would you say that in public? He said, no. Now they're willing to say it in public. Mm -hmm. That's how far the pendulum has swung. And it's going to be up to us people with morals and values to stand up to it because we cannot let this happen in our mm -hmm. society. Mm -hmm. Being Cole's mom has just opened my eyes anew. Mm -hmm. And I now, I wonder how God does view us mm -hmm. because we have our own definitions and we put labels on people as having disabilities. And, mm -hmm. and I've, I've wondered, you know, God looks at us all and sees people who are in need. You know, we are all developmentally disabled in God's eyes. That's right. So it's kind of changed my view there. One thing, uh, you know, I, I've, been in, I've been in elected office and I had met with different families and groups of people who are advocating for those with disabilities. Today, I cherish that community because any family who has been touched firsthand by someone with special needs or a disability, they are their strongest advocates Amen. and their strongest proponents because they understand firsthand the impact of that person on their lives, mm -hmm. the positive impact. Mm -hmm. And I am, today I'm just grateful for this community of people who celebrate what every person has to offer. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a community that celebrates every, every step, every success, everything that that individual can conquer and really focuses on the way that we all should be focusing. We should all be focusing on the ability. We should be focusing on what someone can contribute, their strengths and their contributions, rather than being so focused on ourselves at times. Mm -hmm. um, it just is a different way of viewing the world, and I think it's more the way that God would view it and the way that our uh, founders set up in our Constitution is and our Declaration of Independence that we would be a country that cherishes that life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness for every person. Yeah, that's yeah. well said. Yeah. It's not necessarily popular to consider the, the importance of being a servant, right? And, and as you know, as Cole's mothers, even the mother of, of when I had young children, you're in a servant's role, but that's essential. And that is a part of being a compassionate society. Um, I wanna switch a little bit now to sort of, we were talking a little bit about the politics of, of this issue. Uh, I was saying earlier that we are at this pivotal moment. There's a recent Marist poll that came out, Knights of Columbus Marist, that showed after the New York vote, after what's happened in Virginia, we have seen a 17-point swing in favor of life. 
are waking up as a society and leading that group, and that's why I'm so happy to be here at CPAC, are young people, and even Democrats are coming to our side on this issue. And so as we talk about this in this ballroom full of people, not everyone has thought through this issue. But let me just tell you, it impacts you, it's important, and it is your time to speak up and tell the truth. To all the young people here in this ballroom, it is your time for the young women to be the Esters of society, to speak truth to power, and to speak for the weakened society. You can be the sentinels on the front lines of human life, and let me ask you today, urge you to take on that role. It's your time. You are the pro-life generation. Amen. Mm -hmm. and, and Penny, I should just mention that next month uh, in March, there's a movie coming out called Unplanned. Mm -hmm. You may have heard about They're it. They're showing it here, I think. Oh, it's, it's wonderful. And, uh, you know, it's rated R because I don't think they want a lot of the young women to see it. Uh, because it's really a very powerful movie, but what they don't know is that uh, the young people, they don't want to see a PG movie. They're going to go for that. <laughs> but it really does tell the story of, of uh, Abby Johnson, who uh, worked in an abortion clinic, became the director, mm -hmm. but had never actually seen an abortion mm -hmm. and was called into the room and saw the mm -hmm. horrors and uh, changed. And uh, it's really very powerful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, back to the politics of this, I, I have to just say, and, and I would love to just hear your thoughts on this, I am so grateful that we have the most pro-life president in my lifetime. Thank you, Donald, Donald J. Trump, for standing up for human life. It is so refreshing to have a president who makes a promise to the pro-life community and actually follows through and leads on the issue. The fact that every single one of his great nominations to the courts have been people who are constitutionalist. Mm -hmm. So I just wonder sort of, one of the things, one of the points that we're making to um, Concerned Women for American members is that, uh, that um, Elections have consequences for life. So I would love just, our time's wrapping up here. I would just love just a final statement from either of you on anything that's been said and just specifically on what people should be thinking about as we go into 2020. Well, science is on our side, technology is on our side. We need to stand for life. And we have a president who is on the forefront of that. And we, we just, this election 2020 is going to be so important. It is going, the, the left, Planned Parenthood is, in, is active in every congressional district. They have, they are using their database to motivate people to get out and vote. And I would just encourage people that you need to engage. We need to create an army of people that are going to stand for life heading into 2020 and, and stand with Donald Trump mm -hmm. as we go into 2020. Carson? And I would say it's absolutely critical for people to recognize as we go into this election that this is not really a traditional election about Democrat ideals and Republican ideals. Mm -hmm. This is about those people who understand 
the foundation of the creation of this nation mm -hmm. and the values and principles that allowed us to rise from nothing to the pinnacle of the world in record time and those who want to fundamentally change this country into something else, into a model that has never worked anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And what we need to recognize is, yes, there are flaws in our system. Yes, there are flawed people in our system. But there's never been a system that has elevated so many people, given so many people opportunity and freedom in the history of the world. And we need to fight to keep it. Amen. Thank you. All right. Well said. That was great. Great. Remember this, elections have consequences for life. Speak to your pastor, your priest, your rabbi, ask them to speak truth, and I want every single one of you to own this issue and be sentinels on the front lines of human life. Thank you and God bless you. Well done. I was so grateful to be featured on the panel discussion regarding life at this year's CPAC conference sponsored by the American Conservative Union. I hope I see you there next year. That's all the time we have left, but I hope you will answer that call to stand for life at this crucial moment in our nation's history. See you next time on Use Your Voice. Thanks for listening. Use Your Voice is a ministry of Concerned Women for America, the largest public policy women's organization in the nation. For more information, visit ConcernedWomen.org. That's ConcernedWomen.org.